Pray with me. Lord, bless the preaching of your word, that your written word might become a living word within our hearts. We ask all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I know that God has a sense of humor because he made me a youth pastor. And if you knew me growing up, you would know exactly why that was funny. And I can go ahead and tell you because my, I can tell you the truth because my mom isn't here. Growing up, uh, I was known as a hellion. I, well, I don't know if I can say hellion in church, but I was full of trouble. I did, I guess. So <laughs> forgive me. I was, I was full of trouble. I was always getting into trouble. The old adage that twins are double trouble uh, was not wasted on me at all. I surely gave my mom every bit uh, and every ounce of trouble that I had. And we often got into uh, these wars uh, because of this disobedience. I wanted to do what I wanted to do, and I didn't care what she said. And so oftentimes, uh, we got in this tug of war, if you will, uh, over whose will was stronger. And my granny told me one time, son, she is, you, you will get tired of getting your backside warmed up long before she gets tired of warming it up. My mom was a committed lady, and she was going to make sure that I obeyed. But I had a strong will in and of myself, and eventually she won because I'm still here. Uh, I'm sure if the fight had gone on too much longer, she would have just killed me. But uh, I'm here today because I learned my lesson. Uh, that and I got tired of being in the hot seat, going to school with notes, trying to explain to the teacher why I couldn't sit down because my mom's will is much stronger than, than my backside. I was full of trouble, full, full, full of trouble. I was disobedient, and I didn't really care. I was a child, disobedient child, like a toddler even at times, throwing a fit because I didn't get my way. And yet my mom was patient with that switch. I'm telling you, she was, she was really patient with that switch. But oftentimes, the only, I, I realized that if I really wanted to get out of the trouble I was in, all I had to do uh, was touch my mom's sweet spot. Because as much as she was, uh, uh, had an iron fist when it came to discipline, I was still her baby. I was the youngest. I would say I was the cutest. <laughs> Don't tell my brother that. Uh, I, was, I was still her child, and I realized early on, if I apologized and I told my mom how much I loved her and how much I, I wanted to please her and all of that, uh, the, 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 the spankings that I would get would be less and less. And maybe I could even, if I talked real good, could, could get out of it. You see, my mom uh, uh, had a soft spot for me. But one day, I was trying to talk my way out of uh, a spanking, and she said, boy, if you loved me, if you really loved me, you would have done what I told you to do. Now, grab your ankles. She, she did that. But, but if you loved me, you would have done what I told you to do. The only time I cried out and expressed my love in any way was simply to get out of trouble. For me, uh, uh, love wasn't, uh, it, it was a feeling that I felt only when I needed to get out of trouble, when I really wanted to uh, uh, not be punished, in a sense. At least that's how my mom took it when I said I loved her uh, in those moments. 
But I think about how oftentimes that, we, that, that love, that model of love, uh, we do the same thing with God. We do the exact same thing with God. We do what we want to do. And the only time we talk to God is when we need to get out of trouble. The only time we tell God how much we love him and all of that stuff is when we really got ourselves into a mess. And we want to get out of the hot seat and we want God to save us. And so now we pour it on thick and we start going to church and we do all these extra things to try to prove our love for God. But really, the motive is selfish. It's not so much that I loved God, I loved my mom back then as much as I didn't want to get a spanking. And sometimes it could be said that sometimes, maybe it's not so much that we, we love God as much as we don't want to pay the consequences. Jesus is saying, hey, and our lesson is saying, hey, I'm tired of you being little children. If you really love me, do what I told you to do. Keep my commandments. You got your Bibles? Because I know you do. Go ahead and turn with me to John. John chapter 15, starting at verse 9. It says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. That word abide gets me every time I read it. You see, growing up, I had this fickle understanding of what that meant. It was temporal. It was kind of like when you go and visit your grandparents. You go, you love on them, you spend time with them. It's short, but sweet. But that's not the kind of, of love. That's not what abiding means. Abiding means to dwell. It's much more like a marriage, to be committed, to do life together. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the great German theologian wrote a book, Life Together, and in it he talks about this phrase of, uh, over and over again about doing life together. And that's what abiding is, much more. That's the, that's the real definition of discipleship. That's what it is to abide in God's love, to do what he says, not just when you need to get out of trouble, but when, uh, not just when you need to get out of trouble, but a lifelong commitment of doing what God called you to do, doing what he says. It's love in the long term, abiding. It's a real, real thing. It involves commitment. It involves time. It involves maturity. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. He goes on to say, no greater love has anyone than one who would lay down his life for his friends. And then he says, you were my friends if you do what I command you to do. You see, Jesus knew that we were little, tr little children, that we would throw temper tantrums, and that we would struggle. As much as we would want to, we would struggle with this whole thing, abiding. We would want to do right, but time and time again, we would get ourselves in trouble. And we were incapable, incapable of, of keeping the commandments and dwelling and remaining with God. So he made a way. So he humbled himself and he came down through, a birth, through 40 and two generations and he humbled himself and was born of the Virgin Mary. Jesus 
did it not so much as an act of love, while that is true, absolutely, but to allow us to love him in a sense. Not only is he, is he calling us to, to, is Jesus dying on the cross and coming to the world and acting a demonstration of his love, but it also enables us to love him rightly and enables us to abide. You see, before Jesus' death, we had no option. We could only sin. Now in Jesus Christ, we have an option to live in him. And as Paul says, it is no longer us that live, but it's Jesus Christ in us, the hope of glory. Watchman Nee, the famous theologian, says the way that, that man deals with sin is to, is, suppress, is to suppress it. He says, but the way God deals with sin is to kill the sinner and to resurrect himself in his place. That's what happened on the cross. That's what happened in our baptism. We were joined. We died with Christ. And now it is not us who live, but it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. And we've got an option to live right, to live rightly, to be mature Christians and to love God by doing what he says. Jesus loved, demonstrated his love for the Father by being obedient to the Father, even to the point of death. Likewise, we must be obedient to Jesus Christ. We demonstrate our love for Jesus Christ by our obedience. It is through our obedience that we demonstrate we love God, that we are truly his disciples. He calls us friends. Friends. And right before he calls us friends, he, he shows us what friendship looks like. It is sacrificial. Jesus gave up his will to do the will of the Father for our benefit. He calls us friends. And if he's calling us friends, he's also telling us to do the things that friends do. But he just told us what friends do. We give up our will for the will of God. We become mature, stop throwing temper tantrums, being disobedient children, and become obedient, even to the point of death. We love God, and we show that we love God by our obedience. This is, in fact, what he says uh, bears fruit. This is what shows that we're Christians, that we love. How do we love? We obey. And he says, this is what, what brings my father glory, that you bear fruit. And not just you have a little obedience and that you bear a little fruit, but that you have much fruit and you have a life of obedience, that you live a life of obedience, a life, a, a life of submission to the will of God. You see, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about his will being done in our life. We participate with him in the mission of God to seek and save the lost. It is our participation in that that proves that we are, in fact, children of God. Yes, we love. Why? Because we have been loved much. We have been forgiven much. It's a circular thing, you see? It is a circular thing, and you, you, can't, you can't get out of it. Jesus' repeated call for love is really a call for demonstrated 
to demonstrate all the concrete things there are about love, namely obedience. Namely, obedience to God. Jesus calls us to spiritual maturity, and he wants us to... He wants us to move from being disobedient children to being sons of God who, like the Son of God, obeyed God the Father to the point of death. Jesus is calling for maturity in all of us through love. Through love. Christ calls us to love. He says, by this all men will know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. Well, how do, you, how, do you, how do you love your neighbor? You lay down your will for them. You love your enemy. You do what's right, not to be moral and not to get out of trouble, but because you've become mature and you're obedient. You don't try to see what you can get away with, like toddlers, and then when when God turns his back or you don't think anyone's watching, you do what you want to do. No. You're Christians. You love God. And you love your neighbor. You are friends of God. Sons of a king. And so you love at all times. See, love is not just a feeling. It is action. Jesus embodies that. In this gospel, Jesus shows us that. And he calls us to model that, to model his obedience, to model his love, even to the point of death. No longer do I call you servants, for servants do not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus says again in John chapter 4 says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus is sustained. Jesus is sustained by doing the will of the Father. As friends of God, we are sustained, we abide, we remain, we are fed by our obedience to the will of God. We show our maturity by laying down our life, by laying down our lives, our wills, our wills for the will of God. Pray with me. Father, we pray that your word, that you would hide your word in our hearts, that we might not sin against it. And having not sinned against it, thus prove that we are indeed your children, that in fact we do love you. We ask all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.